just trying to shoot the moon Isn't everything we've got that's just peas in a spoon Welcome to The Word Witch, a podcast for the modern magical soul, exploring tarot, astrology, belief, and more from a queer witch, that's me, in conversation with folks making magic from the margins. I'm your host, Claire Burgess. Let's make some magic. Hello friends, witches, otherlings. Yep, otherlings is here to stay. I only had yeses from y'all on uh, on whether or not you were cool with that. So like, I'm taking that to be a represent- representative sample of all of you and otherlings is here to stay. <laughs> uh, so welcome to the third episode of The Word Witch. Um, This is the first, um, I guess, standard solo episode since the first episode was kind of my um, uh, long-winded personal monologue manifesto, I suppose. Uh, So here you'll get um, your first taste of what my standard monthly solo episodes, non-interview episodes, are going to be about. So we're going to um, be looking at the upcoming or very, very recent astro events, uh, doing a listener reading and answering any listener questions, um, uh, doing a tarot lesson, Um, And also a segment on whatever is on my mind, which I'm currently calling Claire's Live Journal Corner. Does anybody else remember Live Journal? Yeah. (laughs) The the old millennials, I suppose, remember that. Raising hand and waving. (laughs) But first, I want to um, thank my patrons on Patreon uh, for making this possible because of all of you who um, support me on Patreon, I'm able to afford to make this podcast. Uh, Currently, I make just enough to cover the um, hosting and the editing of two episodes a month. So thank you all so, so much for making this a reality. Um, If anybody else wants to join on there to support this podcast um, and to make it so that, you know, maybe I can actually pay myself a little bit (laughs) for making this, um, that's patreon.com slash the word witch tarot. Um, and, uh, you can get on there for as low as just $1 a month and all levels of patrons have access to the same content, um, except for the, uh, highest one, which gets a, uh, monthly reading from me. And that's the only thing that, uh, the only reason why that one's different. So thank you. Thank you so much, all of you. Um, and, um, let's see. I also want to thank my, uh, the listeners, uh, of this podcast. So, so far already, um, I have over 200 downloads per episode, well over 200 downloads per episode of this podcast, which is just simply out. 
outstanding. <laughs> I'm blown away. Uh, so thank you to all of you so much, all of you who have listened um, and and any of you who have shared this with your friends, shared it on your Instagrams, uh, start it and reviewed it on, on iTunes or wherever you listen to it. It's also available on Spotify and now on Google Play. Um, so check it out. Um, I guess you already have checked it out if you're listening to this. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Tell your friends. Um, so yeah. Uh, anyway, I'm so grateful to all of you. That's the point of, of all of that. <laughs> so um, before I get started with my main content, um, I have something else extra special today um, for y'all. Um, my uh, next interview guest for um, the next episode, Harvey James of Harvey James Tarot, um, while we were recording our interview, um, they did a little spot with me where they share some about the upcoming Trans Day of Remembrance. And um, we wanted to go ahead and air that today because the Transgender Day of Remembrance is um, November 20th. And my interview uh, episode with Harvey isn't going to air till after that. So um, here's an extra special little tidbit about that very special day coming up. Um, give it a listen. I have Harvey James of Harvey James Tarot here, who will be uh, my next interview guest on our next podcast, um, and they're here to tell us a little bit about the Trans Day of Remembrance, which is coming up uh, next week, and what it is and what we can do for it. So hi, Harvey. Thanks for dropping in for this mini surprise Pre, pre-interview. <laughs> yeah, pre-interview public service announcement about yeah. Transgender Day of Remembrance. Um, yeah, so Transgender Day of Remembrance uh, International, Transgender Day of Remembrance, I think is the full title, uh, mm -hmm. is on November 20th. Um, and it is a day of action, a day of um, memorial uh, for those uh, trans people who have been murdered um, as a result of transphobic violence. Um, and this uh, this day is like a way to draw attention to it as well as an opportunity to um, take time to honor people who have been a victim of transphobic violence. Um, it was founded by a transgender woman, um, uh, Gwendolyn Ann Smith, uh, so the Wikipedia says, but I, I think it's worth mentioning that a trans woman did did found it, which is very important um, because largely the victims of transphobic violence uh, year after year we see is largely trans women, trans women of color, trans feminine people of color. Um, it started out as a like a web based project. I believe they were like creating lists basically just online to say like this these are the the names of people who were murdered in the, in the past year. And I think that that's an important thing to talk about because a lot of the times these people were, if they were eulogized at all in media or by their family, it was very often by the wrong name and under the wrong um, assumption about their gender identity. Um, so they made these collections of like these people's true names to like honor them. Um, and it eventually sort of evolved into a much uh, bigger day of action honored by a lot of a lot more communities and, and a lot more widely recognized. Um, 
but yeah, so a, a lot of the times uh, local LGBT organizations or trans-focused organizations will hold um, vigils or memorials. So I would invite anybody who's interested in um, getting involved to attend uh, any of these and just sort of bear witness to that and 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 really like engage with that grief um, because it's it's a reminder that we all need about the constant the constant grief and the constant violence um, that many many people are experiencing. Um, so I would I would invite people to do that, and I would also invite people to look up the list of people who have passed in 2018, um, as well as just talking about the day, especially with you know cis people um, and people who are allies. Like just bring this up and talk about it because not a lot of people understand how devastating and impactful that violence can be. Um, and and it's all it's it's all very sad. It's it's, it's a very grief driven um, um, experience, but it's important to acknowledge that because it's it's a very real experience that a lot of people are have, having. Um, as well, I, I would say that if you um, are at all involved with ancestor work um, with trans people, to um, get involved with that around that time and, and really like engage with holding space for people who have been victims of that violence. Um, but yeah, so. Just, just a little PSA about that because not everybody knows that that, uh, that day exists or what it's for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't know about that before Harvey mentioned it. So thank you so much, Harvey, for dropping in to tell us about that. And on uh, the 20th, November 20th, we can all remember that day. We can talk about it with our friends and our coworkers to help raise that awareness. Um, mm -hmm. Look up the names. Um, yeah. Thanks so much, Harvey. And we'll talk to you again in two weeks. Yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Bye. All right. Now on to my um, first uh, official segment, um, Crow Mail. <laughs> If you just heard crow sounds, that was because my editor, Donus, found some free crow noises on the internet to splice in here. If you didn't hear any crow sounds, um, we're working on it. <laughs> just imagine it in your head. <laughs> so in this uh, segment, I'm going to um, uh, answer mail, answer listener questions, um, and also pull a reading for one lucky listener who has written in a question. Um, so, um, and, and if you want to send in your own questions, you can do that at the word which podcast at gmail.com. Um, if you have a question for me, put question for you in the subject line. And if you have a question you want me to pull a card for, put question for, for the cards in the subject line. And again, that's to the word which podcast at gmail.com. Um, so um, I got a question from a listener, which was, uh, do I do this full time? Um, or do I have a day job? Um, no, I do not do this full time. <laughs> um, I wish, I wish, I wish I did. Um, in some sense, I kind of do do this full time because I devote a ton of hours per week for to it. I, I have, I'm not sure. Um, I haven't calculated exactly how many, but this takes up a lot of my life, which I'm so, so happy about. Um, I wish that it, I could just spend all of my time on it. But yeah, 
I got a day job, y'all. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's hard to be a working witch and tarot reader in the world, even if you live in a city as welcoming of it as Portland, Oregon is. Um, so yeah, uh, I um, I'm a tutor for my day job. Um, I've been tutoring for over a decade. Um, I do writing tutoring, so helping kids write their papers and their college essays and stuff like that. I also do exam prep. Yeah, SAT and ACT. <laughs> for any non-American uh, listeners, those are the uh, entrance exams for college. Um, so, yeah, I mean, not not fun. Uh, I love working with my students, though, regardless of what I'm teaching them. Um, that's part of my day job that I absolutely adore. And it's always different every day, even if I'm teaching the same old shit again and again. And it's different and it's exciting because of my students. Um, and um, frankly, also, the having uh, being so accustomed to that one-on-one um, relationship with my students made transitioning into reading tarot uh, one-on-one for people a lot easier, frankly, because I was already really comfortable in that um, face-to-face one-on-one environment where somebody is like looking to me for, you know, answers or guidance, because um, that can be a really uncomfortable position to be in. Uh, for people that aren't used to it. So in that way, uh, uh, tutoring and tarot reading are uh, a little bit the same. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm also lucky because um, uh, the folks at work um, know that I also do this and they're cool with it. Um, that's something that really would probably not have been the case in many of uh, many of the other places I've lived. So I am very, very fortunate to be where I am now and to have the boss and the coworkers that I do. They're all so cool about it. We like joke around about astrology. <laughs> um, uh, we all respect each other. So it's it's wonderful. And, you know, for all of you out there who really want to do something like this full-time, or who want to just do whatever else um, that isn't your current day job, um, know this. Your day job, the, the thing that you do for work, even if it lasts decades, it does not define you. It does not define you. It only defines you if you want it to define you. If you love what you do, then yeah, like, you know, identify yourself as whatever that job is, as a teacher or as a scientist or, you know, as an athlete or whatever. But um, if, if, if you don't feel like your job um, is in alignment with your personality or your life or, you know, your identity, then like it doesn't have to be the be all end all of who you are. Um, there's a lot of pressure in uh, the United States, um, and I think especially on the East Coast, um, to like, I don't know, have have your job or your career be everything, <laughs> you know? It's like, I mean, when I lived on the East Coast, that was like the first question that I'd be asked, you know, what's your name? What do you do? 
Like, <laughs> and then if I'm like, I'm a writer or, you know, God forbid, if I'm like, I'm a tarot reader, um, just like all you get is looks of confusion. And then usually somebody's like, no, but like, what do you really do? <laughs> or the really rude ones are like, so then you're a waitress? Ugh, God. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I just want to affirm for all of you that sometimes as a result of living in um, a capitalist society like we do, um, like most of us listening to this do, um, whether you're in the United States or not, you probably live in some sort of capitalist society. Um, but uh, as a consequence of that, so many of us, especially now, have to have jobs that like we don't feel like they're our heart, they're our passion, they're our life's purpose. You know, we're just like doing the jobs to put the food on the table, to pay the rent, and then we are pursuing our passions and our dreams in whatever spare time we have. And that is exhausting and that's heartbreaking, <laughs> but it's what we're doing to survive. So know that your job, your day job, that does not have to be you. You are whatever you're doing that fills your heart up. You are whatever brings light into your life. You are whatever it is, even if you're spending only like a couple hours a week on it because that's all you can afford to do because, you know, you're working the jobs and like raising your kids and whatever it is. Like you are that thing that just like sets you aflame. Ugh. So yeah, I have a day job, but I'm a tarot reader. I'm a writer. I'm a witch. <laughs> All right, and um, so now on to a listener question to pull some cards for. These readings I always will do anonymously, so your name will not be attached to it, um, but I will read your question. So, uh, you know, remember what your question is, and then you'll be able to tell if I'm answering your question or not. <laughs> so, um, the first question is, uh, what career slash work path would serve me best? Work one or work two? Um, and then there is another question. Would it be helpful for me to further my career in my current job? Uh, parentheses, promote. All right. So good question. Career question. Um, I drew, um, I actually ended up drawing four cards for this one. I drew one card for work one, one card for work two, um, another card for whether it'd be helpful for you to promote um, or further your career in your current job. And then I did pull an extra card as a clarifier um, between uh, for choosing between the two uh, job paths. So uh, for work one, the card that I pulled for you, dear listener, um, is the Four of Swords reversed. So um, this card in the Smith Waite imagery um, is depicted um, by a like warrior at rest in their tomb. Um, and upright, the card usually means um, that there's a period of rest called for. Um, a period of, of stepping back from 
the fight, but reversed um, as your card is, this means uh, stepping back in. This means waking up and kind of like shaking loose the cobwebs that are maybe sticking to you and and getting back in there. Um, so this card to me tells me that whatever the work path one is, which um, uh, the listener did not disclose what those two paths are. So I don't know. Um, but whatever work one is, um, is this something that you have maybe worked with before and taken a break from or something that you have like been considering for a long time and um, haven't taken the plunge? Uh, whatever it is, this card seems to be saying that you've stepped back from that uh, career, that work path, and now it seems to be calling for you to step back in. Um, so, you know, it's it's not necessarily like a, a hugely triumphant, triumphant, resounding yes, but like that seems good. <laughs> that seems good, friend. Um, you've you've had your period of sort of of, of rest and review. Um, you've gotten your energy back up. And maybe it's time to enter back in to uh, whatever that career path is. Um, so ask yourself if you're ready for that. Uh, the card that I pulled for work path number two um, is the Ten of Wands. So um, this card is, of course, in Smithwaite imagery. Um, it's the person carrying a big bundle of wands. Um, they're like... The wands are in front of their face, so they can't see where they're going. Their back is hunched over. So this card is like, all right, congratulations. You got all those wands. (laughs) But like you're having a lot of trouble carrying them. Um, So the Ten of Wands is often a card that signals being overwhelmed or being burnt out. So for work path two, what I'm seeing is that there's probably a lot of possibility for success there. Um, There's a lot of um, possibility for work maybe um, and responsibilities, but that this may end up being more than you want. This may end up being too much and it may end up um, sort of blocking your view of other things, blocking your view of what else is important in your life. Um, so uh, it being a, a card of, of fire, wands being fire, that, that means that there's some passion there. There's some excitement there. Um, so it could be something that is rewarding, but the struggle that you're going to have in navigating that is what to say yes to, what to say no to, and probably how to achieve it in a way that is balanced with the rest of your life. So is work path two something that's going to take a, um, possibly take a lot more time and energy um, than you want to devote to it? Um, Is it something that could easily kind of like take over your life if you let it? Uh, so be aware of that uh, when you are choosing between these two. Um, uh, I'll go to the card about uh, promoting or staying in your current job first. And then I'll talk about the card for advice between choosing between those two paths. Because like neither one of those is like, you know, yes or no. 
Um, probably because there are no yes or no cards in tarot. <laughs> so um, I tell this to everybody I read for, you know, asking like a yes or no question isn't going to get you a good answer. Seldom is there anything that's a hard yes or a hard no in life ever. Um, so we just have to look at like what the energies are and then you have to make your own decision about it. Um, so the card for, would it be helpful for me to further my career in my current job, parentheses promote, is the Six of Swords. So Six of Swords is the card in Smithwaite imagery where there are, um, three people in a boat. Um, there's some swords sticking point down in front of the boat and, uh, one figure standing up in the back and ferrying these two other people across the river. Um, there's a sense of, of solemnity, solemnness, <laughs> uh, I'm a writer in this card, um, but it is also a card of transition. It is a card of moving from choppy waters, which we see on one side of the boat, to uh, smooth waters, which we see on the other side. So it shows moving from um, a time of, of turbulence and uncertainty and maybe strife um, into a, a time where things are smoother and more peaceful, um, a, a, a reprieve. Um, so what this card is saying um, in response to this question, I think is that, so, so and here's, here's me going on intuition. Um, I think what it's saying is that yeah, you, you could definitely stay in this career and you could promote and it would be really easy for you to do so, right? This would be an easy transition. Um, it would get you into a place of more stability. Uh, it'd get you to that smooth water, right? Um, but I think that ultimately you'll probably end up transitioning then again past that promotion and onto something else. So uh, the question to ask yourself here is, is what, what purpose is this current career serving for me? Um, how is it going to get me to that eventual work one or work two that I want to do? Um, this, the suit of swords, um, and two of your cards were swords here. Um, this suit is about the mind. It is all about mental energy. So um, the Six of Swords can be about moving on from a place where you are um, sort of mentally blocking yourself or there's a lot of, of mental strife or discomfort going on, a lot of, of arguing with yourself maybe about what it is you, you want to do or what it is you should do. <laughs> and that's something we all do. We all do that. So instead of um, instead of what you should do, maybe think about um, what you want to do. Um, in this way, this reading and the other listener in question go together quite well. Um, it's it's there's a theme here of figuring out how to live your life by your own designs. What mental blocks or mental fears um, are possibly 
clouding your decision making around these career paths. Um, like with the four of swords reversed for work path one, um, maybe it was something mental that um, made it so that you had to step away from it for, for a time. Um, and now you're being called to step back in and engage with that once more. Um, so with the uh, card about your current job also being swords, being this six of swords about transition, I'm seeing these two swords cards working together in a way to um, maybe, maybe point to staying in your current job for a little while um, while you are figuring out how to step back in to that other career path or start re-engaging with that other career path again. Um, because, hey, like, you know, like I said before, there's seldom any yeses or nos. There's seldom any black and white either. Um, you know, a lot of times we have to sort of like do both in order to um, successfully transition, successfully navigate between one thing and the next. And that's what we're doing in the Six of Swords. We're leaving behind these turbulent waters, this this shore that's not serving us anymore, but we are carrying some of those swords with us still, right? There's, there's, um, there's something that we're carrying along with us that is maybe baggage, but is hopefully lessons that we've learned and that we can use in our future endeavors. Those swords that are, that are sticking face down in the boat don't appear to be poking holes in the boat, <laughs> right? The, the boat's floating along. It's, it's light on the water. It's not sinking. Um, so they're not hurting anything. They're just there and they can be picked up and used. Um, they can be picked up and used as swords, right? Um, so how can you use the lessons you've learned in your current career in order to help you um, enter or prosper in one of these other ones? Um, and lastly, the card that I drew for um, uh, a clarifier between which career path you should choose was the sun reversed. So this card does not tell me whether or not you should choose path one or path two. Uh, what this card tells me is that with it, with the sun being reversed, you have um, maybe lost a little bit of touch with your joy, with what brings you joy. Um, the sun reversed doesn't like negate that, that joyful, um, um, unified self, like feeling of, of oneness with with uh, with yourself, with your mind, body, spirit, with the with everyone around you, it doesn't negate that feeling. It just makes it sort of like um, uh, clouded, confused, muddled, right? So it's not lost to you at all. It is right there. <laughs> you just need to figure out how to see it clearly again. You need to figure out how to turn this sun card right side up, right? Listen to yourself. Clear away the mental bullshit that is making you um, so confused about which path you want. When you close your eyes and you just sit with yourself and you maybe meditate, but you know, if you can, if you can do that, <laughs> um, some of us can't, <laughs> um, what do you feel in your gut is the right path for you? What do you feel in your gut and versus what does, um, what does society or culture or your fears 
or the shoulds or the desire to to be a, you know, quote, prosperous adult tell you, right? Reconnect with that joy, reconnect with that sun, and then get smart about how to execute um, this, this career path of your dreams. Yeah. So I hope that helped. Listener, thank you so much for writing in your question. Um, and again, if uh, you all, other listeners, um, want me to answer one of your questions, write that into the word witch podcast at gmail.com with question for the cards in the subject line. And I've also gotten a lot of DMs recently asking me if I do free readings. And guess what? I do right here on this podcast. So if you want one, email in that question. Um, I can't guarantee that I will answer yours depending on how many I get. Um, Probably I won't be able to um, answer everyone's, but I'm going to do my best. Um, And um, uh, I hope that the readings I'm able to do here will in some way um, serve uh, the rest of us too. I know this one just did. It reminded me of some things that I needed to know. So yeah, write to me. All right, y'all, it's time for our astro updates. So in the next two weeks, there uh, there are a lot of astrological events happening. Um, we've got a lot of action going on and a lot of action in Sagittarius specifically. So I'm going to try to get through this um, uh, quick. <laughs> so um, first thing that happened actually has already happened, but um, I wanted to say a little bit about it. Uh, first thing is that Jupiter um, uh, ingressed into uh, Sagittarius on November 8th. Uh, so that was last week, and Jupiter is going to be hanging out there for about a year. Um, and uh, what's going on with that? Why does that matter? So Jupiter has been in uh, Scorpio for the last year. And um, as many of you probably already know and have read about, um, Jupiter and Scorpio did a whole bunch of Scorpio things. Jupiter sort of exaggerates and expands, um, spotlights whatever sign it's in, whatever sort of characteristics or whatever whatever things are characteristic of the sign that it's in. And Scorpio is all about like unearthing secrets, unearthing the the buried truths, um, getting down into the underbelly with what's um, what's what's real and what's taboo and, you know, talking about the shit. Um, and we did a lot of that while Jupiter was in Scorpio. As many other great astrologers have pointed out, the uh, Me Too movement kicked off um, soon after Jupiter uh, moved into Scorpio. And that unearthed a lot of, of secrets um, and, and, you know, maybe didn't bring about that much as much justice as we would like to have happened um but really did some amazing things for um um forefronting 
forefronting these sexual assaults, uh, this violence that has been done against uh, women and femmes and other people um, for centuries, for such a long fucking time, um, and uh, started a, a conversation, brought awareness to it. Um, and that's good. That's good. Um, it's not nearly enough yet, but it's something. So thanks, Jupiter. <laughs> So Jupiter and Sagittarius, where it is now, um, what's this going to bring about? So Jupiter is at home in Sagittarius. Uh, Sagittarius is uh, one of the signs, uh, is the sign that it rules. Um, and so it is really happy and nice and comfy here. Um, Jupiter um, or Sagittarius is a sign all about curiosity, um, travel, ideology, um, philosophical uh, thought. So like a lot of interest in philosophy, religion, spirituality. Um, and that comes from the aspect of Sagittarius that is the truth seeker. So uh, Scorpio seeks the truth in one way. It, Scorpio is like the detective, right? It like digs into the dark, into the secrets, into the muck, and unearths the secrets that have been buried there. And Sagittarius seeks the truth through um, expansion, through expanding their horizons, through um, broadening their experiences, um, and searching out new knowledge, um, so Scorpio and Sagittarius both seek the truth, but in different ways. Um, so Jupiter and Sagittarius should be a good time to, um, uh, keep doing a lot of the work that a lot of us listening to this podcast are already doing, um, which is, you know, asking the big questions, really engaging with those big questions. It's a prime time for thinking about um, moral questions, big moral, ideological, ethical questions, um, and, and, and discussing them. But the flip side of Jupiter and Sagittarius is that Jupiter, in addition to sort of expanding and exaggerating whatever sign it's in, it can also like be it can also be too much. It can also be excess. So the the danger here is that um, Sagittarius, Jupiter and Sagittarius can get pretty opinionated. <laughs> Sag is a fire sign. And whenever we have a fire sign, there's a potential for, you know, for, for hot tempers, for, for um, big opinions um, and aggression and stuff like that. So, so, um, with Sagittarius, there's a possibility of being kind of self-righteous um, and and being um, a little bit um, sort of pig-headed about our opinions and our um, uh, beliefs and things like that. So we're going to have to watch out for, for that sort of um, uh, dark edge of Jupiter and Sagittarius. But as long as we can like check ourselves with that, Jupiter and Sag should be a pretty sweet time um, to to keep expanding, keep expanding our horizons, um, learning new things um, with respect, right? Because I think one possible danger of Jupiter and Sagittarius is that Sag is, is all about like travel and like learning about other cultures and and with its interest and, and uh, philosophy and spirituality and stuff like that. 
I see some real danger here of some, you know, some continued egregious cultural appropriation. <laughs> so learning about other cultures is great, y'all. Like, you know, inform yourself. Knowledge is good. But adopting the practices, the spiritual practices of, of other cultures without, you know, without permission, without um, a really, really deep understanding, which probably can't just come from the internet or a book or a podcast, you know, without that, it's it's disrespectful. It's disrespectful and it's wrong, um, especially if, if you're doing that and then using it for your own profit. So, you know, let's let's all be aware of that as we explore Jupiter and Sagittarius as well. We need to respect each other, um, respect each other's cultures, appreciate each other's cultures, but not appropriate them. And by appreciate them, I think that that's a word actually that's used a lot by people who are appropriating um, rather than appreciating. So, you know... Just like if if you have any question about uh, whether or not you're being appropriative, probably stop. <laughs> just, you know, just don't. Just don't do it. Um, so, yeah, um, that's uh, Jupiter in Sagittarius. Also, so I want to talk a little bit about since we have a lot of Sag action going on, the tarot card that's ruled by Sag is Temperance. Um, major Arcana key number 14, Temperance. Um, and oh, Temperance is such a beautiful card. It is one of my favorite cards in the entire tarot. Um, so I want to talk about that card briefly uh, before we move on with our astro update. So Temperance is a card that's all about uh, synthesis. It's about synthesis and alchemy. It's about mixing and merging. Um, in the card, in Smith-Waite imagery, we see um, an angel with two cups. And the angel's mixing uh, water between two cups. But the cups are being held at this improbable angle. And we can't really tell if the water is flowing up or down. But it's flowing kind of diagonally sideways. So it's defying gravity. And so, like, there's some magic happening here. It's not just like the angel's not just like pouring the water from one cup into another. There's like some magical synthesis happening. Their water is exchanging between both cups at once, not just flowing from one cup into the other cup. Um, and the angel has one foot on land and one foot in the water. And there's just this like, uh, there's this energy of um, merger and synthesis and and opposites informing each other in beautiful ways and a constant flow and exchange. Um, so here in temperance, we're able to be more than one thing at once. Um, we are able to um, have our like conscious and our subconscious, if the two cups can represent conscious and subconscious, in, in conscious, um, <laughs> in conscious, in constant um, interaction. Um, and constant flow. Um, this card is one step in sort of merging the dichotomy or the duality um, that we perceive around us in uh, in daily life, in in the material world that we live in. 
Um, and it's one step towards bringing that from this dichotomy and the separation into a unified whole. So how does temperance um, uh, associate with Sagittarius? Well, I think that Sagittarius is um, uh, sort of love and penchant for, for asking those big questions, the big capital T truths, the, you know, the philosophical truth, the meaning of life, the what am I here for? I think that is represented in temperance in a form of an answer, which is like you're here just to exist. You're here to flow. You're here to be fluid, you know. Um, maybe there's no one uh, constantly right answer. The answer is fluid. Um, you are water and you are earth. You are both cups and you are the water in the stream between those two cups. Um, also in the card, um, again, in Smithwaite imagery, which is, by the way, just like, <laughs> unless I say otherwise, that is always the imagery I'm going to be using here. Um in, uh, in that card, uh, there is a road behind the angel leading from the pool that the angel has one foot in um, away into the mountains. And above the mountains, there is a sunrise happening that looks like a crown. So we have that path leading away into further journey and adventure. And how Sagittarius is that? right? Leading off into the mountains where we can see this big, beautiful sunrise with a crown hidden in it, um, or not so hidden in it, um, uh, lit up, um, uh, just like glowing in it. Um, so there we have that sort of heart-filled movement onward into the unknown, to explore, to discover, to find out more about ourselves in our constant exchange and fluidity. Um, yeah, so let's see. So we're going to come back to talking um, about some more Sagittarius transits in a moment. Um, but next up, calendar speaking, is um, Mars moves into Pisces on November 15th. It's been hanging out in Aquarius where it had its retrograde Yay, all of us Aquariuses had such fun with that. Um, um, but yeah, it's moving into Pisces on uh, the 15th. And um, what that means is that that should actually be um, hopefully kind of a nice reprieve. So Mars in Pisces is um, more confrontation averse. Uh, Pisces is a really um, peaceful uh, sign. Uh, it's very much a pacifist. Um, and so that sort of um, confrontate, confrontational aggression, that anger that Mars can manifest um, so easily is is really kind of like mellowed um, in Pisces. Um, I almost said the word castrated. <laughs> um, so, and then I did say it. So take that for, for what you will. Um, but um, uh, so Mars and Pisces is going to be less concerned about um, uh, confrontation and being and, and being right and more concerned about pursuing um, spiritual or emotional drives, spiritual or emotional things, um, which is that Pisces influence. Um, 
there's there's going to be a lot of uh, potential for idealism here, a motivation to sort of like figure out that that idealism or um, but also there's a potential possibly for some anger motivated by idealism as well. Um, but overall, idealism is going to trump that Mars aggression um, and also using those Mars turbo thrusters to get what we want, um, which Mars is so useful at doing sometimes is going to get a lot more complicated with Mars in Pisces. Um, because again, you know, Pisces being like the most watery of water signs, and I love Pisces, by the way, my partner is a Pisces. Pisces are great. Um, Pisces are also though so like, um, they can be so dreamy and, and so fluid that they have, um, they can have a hard time making up their mind. They can have, they can be a little bit gullible. Um, God bless you, Pisces. <laughs> um, and so the, that, uh, Mars is a planet that so often can, you know, give us a big thrust towards um, enacting what we desire. But with Mars and Pisces, we might be a little bit uncertain about what we desire, you know? So that's something to be aware of. We're going to have to like find ways to get clear on that and and um, be more uh, purposeful um, uh, and intentional with um uh, channeling, channeling that Mars energy to get what we want or to decide what we want in the first place. Um, and then after that, we have, consulting my notes, um, right, so on uh, the 16th, we have Venus going direct in Libra. That's going to be um, in the morning hours, hours on November 16th. And Oh, that's going to be great, y'all. Venus has been retrograde since October 5th. Um, it was retrograde in Scorpio for a long, long time, then entered Libra on October 31st, um, and it's been retrograde there until um, it's going direct on the 16th. And um, yeah, this um, this Venus retrograde period has... Um, Ugh, well, it's put a lot of us through the ringer. I've written about it some on uh, Instagram. Um, so, you know, hop on there and check out those posts if you want to uh, about how it's affected my personal life. But like, damn y'all. Like I said before, Scorpio, um, where Venus went retrograde, is all about like the underbelly, the taboo. Um, I love Scorpio, by the way. I'm a Scorpio rising. <laughs> and this is part of what I love about it is that it just like gets real. It digs its fingernails into the dirt and like just uh, it, it shovels that dirt away until it gets to the truth. It unearths stuff and that is real and that is hard. Um, but it is necessary. It is necessary. Um, and it's ultimately healing. Um, and I, I, I wrote about this in, um, I think, one of my previous, maybe for, maybe for the, not this last Scorpio um, new moon, but for the Scorpio full moon six months ago. Um, the way Scorpio heals um, is not through like, I'm giving you chicken soup when you're sick or wrapping you up in a nice blanket and giving you like, you know, a hot water bottle. Scorpio heals by giving you Ipecac. <laughs> it makes you throw up those toxins. It makes you 
vomit out the poison so that you can then heal. So that's very much what Venus's retrograde through Scorpio felt like for me and a lot of other people. And it was doing a lot of work around um, deeply buried um, traumas, a lot of them surrounding uh, relationships um, or sex or sexuality or or um, identity that's tied to sex or gender or something taboo. Um, um, maybe some kink things came up for some people. Um, Venus also has to do with finances though. So maybe it brought up something to do with, um, healing, doing some healing work around finances for you. Um, but, uh, yeah. And now Venus is finishing its retrograde and going direct in Libra, which is a sign about, um, balance, about fairness, about harmony, And so that's bringing a really kind of nice, um, uh, kind of nice, but feels a little bit, a little bit cold, a little anticlimactic personally for me, um, edge to this Venus retrograde. Um, so we went through the shit while Venus was retrograde in Scorpio and now in Libra, it's kind of, um, it's you know, bringing everything to the table, weighing it in, in justice's scales, right? Which is the, the tarot card that's ruled by Libra. Um, and we're being encouraged with this direct movement to, you know, weigh and balance and, and learn our lesson from this retrograde. I mean, just like real straight, clear, and simple, learn our lesson and figure out how to implement it as we move forward into the future, right? Um, do it, do what needs to be done, um, and, and do it with, with clear eyes and discernment. Um, yeah. And so after that, um, same day, November 16th in the PM hours, Mercury's going retrograde. Wah, wah. <laughs> it's back. But y'all, listen, I know that we all get so freaked the fuck out about Mercury retrograde, but it happens so often. <laughs> are, are we not like, do we not know how to deal with this yet, y'all? Um, I mean, okay. All right. I'm, I'm going to get off my soapbox and I'm going to tell you a little bit about this Mercury retrograde. So Mercury is going retrograde in Sagittarius on November 16th in the PM hours. It's going to finish up its retrograde in Scorpio where it moves on uh, December 1st. Um, but currently, so Mercury is going to be retrograde in Sag, um, going retrograde again, same day Venus goes direct. Um and it's going to be retrograde um, for Thanksgiving. <laughs> Yay. How convenient is that? Mercury, the planet of communication, um, is going to be retrograde during family holidays. <laughs> so that Thanksgiving table conversation that is always so difficult to have with like your racist uncle and your homophobic grandparents is going to be that much more difficult. Or maybe we can just like, maybe we should just like all shut up. (laughs) And that's how we'll get through dinner. I don't know. But 
Uh, here's what Merc in uh, Sagittarius retrograde means. So again, Sag um, is the planet of of like um, ideology, religion, spirituality, seeking the truth, expansion, travel. Um, and um, like I said before, it can have a tendency to be kind of self-righteous. And, and so Mercury retrograde in Sagittarius is going to have a tendency to blurt out whatever it wants to say. I mean, Mercury retrograde is always like that, but with Sagittarius, it might take on an especially self-righteous tone. Um, we might have some big fiery opinions that we cannot help but spout. Um, so yeah, uh, maybe check that. You know, we're going to have a, a tendency uh, to be kind of emotional and self-righteous, and we might be perceiving slights um, from other people where there are none, and then reacting in big ways to that. Um, so be aware of that uh, for the Thanksgiving holidays and, and for the whole thing. Um, but, you know, uh, retrogrades also have a lot to teach us about um, uh, our insides, right? Uh, retrogrades um, turn that uh, normally sort of exterior energy onto the interior. So there's always something for us to learn about ourselves. Um, and so perhaps this Mercury retrograde um, in Sagittarius is going to be a time to sort of like step back, um, really think before we speak, like really, really think before we speak, which is always a good idea, but especially now. And and um, might be an opportunity to learn about our sort of um, gut reactions, like our instant responses, um, our um, ideological um, blind spots. Um, we, we might be called to, you know, really weigh others' opinions and what we can learn um, how we can learn and expand ourselves through really listening to the thoughts and opinions of others instead of just getting on our soapboxes and, you know, letting everybody know about what we think ourselves. So chew on that for this Mercury retrograde. Try and, and, um, and embrace the, the open-mindedness of Sagittarius instead of the flip side, closed-minded self-righteousness. Yeah. Um, and da, 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 da. right. We also have the sun moving into Sagittarius on November 22nd. Uh, I told you there was a ton of Sag happening and a ton of events. So yeah, bye-bye Scorpio. It's going to be Sagittarius season on November 22nd. Um, and again, I already talked a lot about Sagittarius energy, sun and Sag, same thing. It should be a good season. Um, it, it probably is going to be optimistic, right? So Sagittarius, a lot of times, especially with Jupiter and Sag, comes with a sense of, of optimism and possibility. And that's going to be a really nice thing to have um, as we move further and further into winter in this northern hemisphere and have the holidays to deal with. Um, so sun is moving there November 22nd, um, right before we have our full moon in Gemini on November 22nd in the PM hours. Um, so that Gemini full moon um, 
is going to be an interesting one. So Gemini is is the twins. It's a sign. It's an air sign that's a lot about communication, growth through communication, through connection, through mirroring, and and um, a balance a, a balance of thinking and feeling. Um, which that that balance of thinking and and feeling also kind of correlates with temperance. It's it's one of the things that we can see in the Sagittarius ruled card of temperance, um, sort of merging and, and exchanging that thinking and, and feeling, um, which makes sense since Sagittarius is the sign opposite Gemini. Um, so um, let's see. Uh, with this Gemini moon, which um, are often moons that are pretty like um, fun and and uh, chatty, intellectual, um, uh, they can be light and, and, um, uh, great opportunities, um, for communication and for, for clearing the air, um, with ourselves and with others. But with this Gemini full moon, we're going to have a little extra, uh, edge, uh, to it because it is going to be opposite Jupiter in Sagittarius. Uh, Jupiter is going to be conjunct the sun and it's going to be square Mars, um, which is also itself then square Jupiter. So there's um, several things going on here. So we might with that Mars square have some um, uh, feelings of frustration, especially surrounding um, speech or or communication. Um might feel ticked off about the words of others. Um, so we're going to have to be aware of that. With that opposition to Jupiter, um, we might have a little bit, um, we might, we might have a little bit of lack of self-control. Um, we might be a bit too open and um, big about our feelings um, and, you know, while there's nothing wrong with sharing our feelings ever, there's, there's, you know, sometimes, sometimes there's a danger to it. It's not always the time. Like at work, like blurting out your feelings about your boss to your boss at work might not be a good idea, right? <laughs> um, so I'm, I am, by the way, a Gemini moon. And um, I think that means in some ways, it's the hardest kind of moon for me to understand, um, because it's too close to me. And, but here's a, here's my own conception of my own Gemini moon. Um, I process all of my feelings through my head. <laughs> like I need to understand my feelings uh, like logically, like rationally. I need to understand why I feel the way I do. And yes, that's not always possible. I'm working on it. But um, I also have a big need to uh, discuss, to communicate my feelings, especially if I feel like I'm um, you know, been hurt by somebody else. Um, or if I have hurt somebody else, like I want to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> so I've got a feeling that maybe with um, these two transits with Mars and Jupiter on this uh, Gemini full moon, one of the uh, impulses might be to just like, uh, like latch on to that person who, um, uh, has upset you <laughs> or you that you're upset with and to be like tell me about your feelings let's talk about our feelings <laughs> and like you know what that's great that is 
fucking essential to relationships. Um, That is why my partner and I have such a good relationship is because we are able to um, have conversations about what's going on and about our feelings. Um, uh, you know, but it's it's important to to be able to um, uh, do it in the right way, do it in a respectful way, do it without like blowing up um, uh, or overblowing things, both of which are possible with this full moon. Square to Mars, blowing up, opposite Jupiter, overblowing, right? So, um, uh, yeah. So those are some those are some things to be aware of um, with this Gemini full moon uh, coming up on November twenty second, and um, I'll have um, some more guidance surrounding that, of course, as we approach it um, next week uh, on Instagram and on my website. So check those things out. Whew! And that's it for the astro update. Dang, that was a lot of stuff. Okay, so lastly, uh, what I want to do is have a segment on um, with a tarot lesson. Uh, so the most useful thing that my students find usually is uh, looking at the tarot through the numbers as linked through numerology. Um, looking at it this way allows us to see the cards in number families or number uh, numerological constellations as Mary Kay Greer calls them um, and these families bridge the minor and major arcana connecting the cards from each of them um, and the the two arcanum are usually or so often seen as separate otherwise um, so I think that this way of linking them through the the numbers um, is really helpful for synthesizing tarot as a whole and for for seeing the underlying system beneath it. Um, So uh, what I mean by these number families is that we can group together all of the numbers. Uh, So for instance, the ones, we can take all of the ones, the magician, um, along with the aces and look at them um, at, with their similarities and how the energy of each suit, uh, wands, cups, pentacles, swords, is expressed through the numbers. Um, so for instance, with the ones, this is fairly easy to do. Um, the aces are the raw, pure energy of their suit, right? Uh, they're the seed, the beginnings, Um Uh, for us to cultivate and nurture. And on the magician's table, um, we can see all four of the aces represented. They're literally sitting there on the table, a sword, a cup, a wand, a pentagram. Um, And uh, these are, or a pentacle, sorry. Um, These these are the magician's magician's tools. Uh, These are the materials that they have to work with in the material world. Um, This is the raw stuff out of which the magician makes their magic. Um, But that's not all there is to the ones either. (laughs) The tins are also ones. The tins and the minors, as well as the wheel of fortune, (laughs) as well as the sun. All of those are in the ones family. Um, And why is that? It's because, uh, so take a tin. Numerologically, if we add up the digits 1 and 0 that make up a 10, we get 1 plus 0, which equals 1. So still in the 1s family. 
Same with the sun. Add up numbers, the number 19, 1 plus 9 equals 10. And as we already established, 1 plus 0 from the 10 equals 1, right? So any two-digit number um, in the major arcana, you add up the digits and uh, narrow that down to a one-digit number, and that's the number family that it belongs to. And each of those major arcana cards are kind of like higher octaves or um, higher evolutions or, or just different um, evolutions of the energy of the lower cards. So the, the Wheel of Fortune and the Sun are higher um, evolutions of that one of the magician. And we will get into that a lot more next time when we'll look exclusively at the ones family. And then um, from there in each solo episode every month, uh, so once a month, we'll look at another uh, number family, um, which will take us through the next nine months. Yay! <laughs> I have a plan. <laughs> um, so, but first, before we really launch into that, we need to talk about the elements themselves, the elements of the suits themselves, and a very important card, the Fool. So first, the elements, the suits. So as um, most of you probably already know, each element or I'm sorry, each suit corresponds to an element. Wands correspond to the suit of fire, cups to water, swords to air, and pentacles to earth. So when I read tarot, um, the way that um, the way I discovered that makes the most sense to me and that works the best for me is really that I look at each of the suits at, through their elements, like not really even through the symbols of wands, cups, etc., but through those elements. Um, and if you think about the elements themselves, um, the the characteristics um, and sort of domains of the suits make so much sense. So, for instance, uh, fire, um, the suit of wands, right? Uh, some of the um, uh, characteristics of that suit are vi vitality, passion, um, innovation, creativity, um, and creativity in the way of like of creating, um, creating things, like creating projects, creating art, stuff like that. Um, motivation, um, um, ambition. So career can fall under the wands for that reason, because um, if that career involves passion <laughs> and ambition, um, then that's that's that fire territory. Um, wands are like um, they're the spark of life. They're they're the life force, right? The spark that animates matter. Um, wands are a projective suit. Um, so I use the words projective and receptive rather than active and passive because passive is, is kind of a, a negative, it carries negative connotations sometimes. So I don't like that. Um, and also I, I use that instead of masculine and feminine um, to sort of, you know, <laughs> transcend the false gender binary um, that has been imposed on the tarot. Um, and uh, also instead of um, other terms like uh, sometimes yin and yang are used, but I think that feels for me like cultural appropriation because, you know, I just don't know enough about, about the culture and the practices that the terms yin and yang are taken from. So I don't use them. 
I use projective and receptive. Uh, so wands are a projective suit, um, which means that the energy of this suit is often um, uh, focused outwards. It's about engaging in the world. It's about doing things. It's about going forth, right? Um, uh, rather than about like um, sitting within, receiving, um, uh, like um, not not necessarily relaxing, Um but uh, just like being. Um, and um, yeah, so representing the element fire, the cycle of the wands suit, so the cycle of, of one or ace through 10, deals with um, that process of, of kindling the fire and all the things we do with that, kindling it, tending it, stoking it to a blaze. Um, and um, along with that, also the suit of wands can be great uh, all the things we can do with fire light our way cook food all that sort of stuff we can also burn shit with it. it can also be destructive it can also get out of hand so this suit also envelops um things like uh burnout right um burnout or getting burned <laughs> um and so that's wands uh cups are water Water is that formless flowing element that is necessary for all life on earth. Uh, so while fire of the wands animates the living branch, which is the symbol of the wands, water nourishes that branch into growth. Um, the elements all work together, y'all. Um, so water being, water is, is the feeling heart, the overflowing soul, the fluidity of our um, essential essence that knows no form or container. Um, water, um, it, it, it shapes itself to whatever container it's in. It also finds the smallest hole or crack to escape. Um, it's really smart. It, it takes the path of least resistance. It's a very intelligent element. Um, uh, and so water is, is about, um, emotions, about intuition, um, it's about love and connection, dreams and imagination, the subconscious and the unconscious, the, the like deep, deep, dark ocean of the subconscious and un unconscious beneath the surface. Um, so it can speak to our emotional well-being, our relationship to others, um, uh, our dreams, and whether they're being fulfilled or disappointed, our moods. Um, it can talk about how to heal our heartbreaks and um, nurture our, our happiness. Um, and it, it's also, though, just like fire is not without its dangers, water is not without its dangers. It offers nourishment, right, and contentment, but um, water is, it can also drown us. <laughs> it can also drown us. It can also flood and, and wash us away. Um, so cups has the highs of, of joy and wonder and also the lows of heartbreak and depression. Um, and, uh, also, and so cups also, I didn't say is a receptive suit. So, right. Wands was projective cups are receptive. So this receptive suits are about receiving, listening, observing, um, integrating, integrating. Um, it's about, um, uh, meditating, healing, um, self nurturing, um, imagination, all that good stuff. Um, 
And if you if you can't tell by the the pages rustling in the background, um, I'm actually I'm I'm using the materials that I've made um, in my in my zines. Um, to uh, as a reference to talk to y'all about this right now and if you want to download those um, zines I have a minor arcana zine and a major arcana workbook available on my patreon page uh, for free to all patrons Uh, so again you can join that for just one dollar a month and you can download those and have what I'm saying now and more um, available to you there for just a dollar a month Um, so onwards Swords are the suit of air. Um, this is air is, is about the mental realm. Um, it includes our thoughts and our intellect, our verbal and written communication, and also our brain chemistry. Uh, swords tell us about the great things that the mind can do, which include um, analytical and logical thought, problem solving, um, cleverness and wittiness, um, uh, reasoning and deduction, understanding, clear judgment, all of those really powerful tools of the mind. But the sword suit can also tell us about the ways our minds get in the way, um, how our minds can turn against us or trouble us uh, with anxiety, negative mental loops and thought processes, self-defeating thoughts, um, mental health issues even, also, uh, things like deceit, uh, calculation, um, lies. <laughs> um, and so what does this have to do with air? Um, air is highly changeable. It's agile. It's all about movement. It's constantly moving or almost constantly moving, just like the mind. Just like the mind never rests. <laughs> Ever tried meditating? <laughs> um So the symbol of the sword for air um, captures that double-edged nature of air that I was just talking about, of of the mind, right? That that crystal clear clarity and insight on one edge and stormy confusion and turmoil and negative thought processes on the other. it, 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 the tool of air of the mind, it can help or it can hurt, right? It can be used for, for good or it can, it can be used for, for, for bad, for self-destruction. Um, and a lot of the struggles in the sword suit, since it's, you know, many would agree kind of (laughs) the darkest looking suit, at least, um, many of these struggles have to do with putting the mind to rest. Um, But, you know, for all of the struggles that can be encapsulated in the suit of air, air is one of the most vital, necessary elements. It is the breath that, along with the energizing fire and the nurturing water, gives us life, right? And, you know, I'm pretty pretty sure a lot of people would agree, air the suit of the mental realm, that's what sort of um, defines human beings. That what's, that's what separates us um, from the rest of, of um, life on this planet is that ability for conscious thought, right? So air is all about that conscious thought. And what a double-edged sword that is. <laughs> um, and um Lastly, the suit of pentacles. Um, This is the suit of earth. This tells the story of the material world, Um, our bodies, our resources, um, our home and hearth, 
Um, the suit of earth, uh, the suit of pinnacles is, is often associated with money and finances by a lot of people. Um, and in our capitalist society, that is a very necessary interpretation because that affects us in huge ways all the time. Um, but, uh, the suit is also about so much more than that. Um, it's, um, about, um, all the things that we need for us to feel safe and comfortable and supported. Um, it's the base of, of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is how I like to explain it. It's all the things that we need as that base, as that foundation in order to like build up and access um, uh, the other suits. Um, we can't reach like the heights of air or, or like the creativity of fire if we don't have that core foundation of, of the things that make us feel safe and supported. Um, and those things include money but also um, shelter, um, a soft place to sleep, um, a job, um, a healthy body, a, a, you know, an, a, a body that can help us achieve those things, um, uh, a support network um, of family and friends. So pentacles can speak to those things too. Um, the realm of like relationships isn't only represented by cups. Pentacles, I think, sometimes speaks to that, especially where it's um, uh, talking about it in like a support network kind of way or in a resources kind of way. The people we know are resources that can that can step up to help us when we need it, right? Um, so Pentacles encapsulates that and also encapsulates the story of our hard work, our diligence, our skills, our pleasure. Pent pentacles being of earth is, is a very sensual um uh sign as well uh, or sign uh, suit as well um so pleasure sensual sensuality and our worldly success um so that earth energy um that's grounded stable sensory fundamental this is the rich earth from which all things grow right um we can anchor um, our airy thoughts here um, in firm reality. We can give structure to our emotions. We can um, have a material plane, a physical plane to manifest our creative fire into, right? So earth is not just about money. <laughs> Pentacles are not just about money. Um, it's about so, so much more. Um, and why the symbol of pentacle? Why is that the symbol for earth? Well, I mean, here's my take on it. The symbol of the pentacle has been used by mystical practitioners um, for a long time to uh, secure protection and to evoke harmony, right? And, and here it does the same thing. It gives us the safety and support to do our soul's work, right? Um, there's other things about the pentacles uh, or about the symbol of the pentacle that um, I will talk about uh, later um, when we get on up into like the fives or so. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, that's it. That's it for now. Um, so those are the elements. Um, and within each of those, we have a cycle of ace to ten right? Ace, which is beginning through 10, which is culmination. And each one of the numbers along the way has a particular resonance. Um, and so in this series, we're going to talk about each of those number families. And 
I'm going to be talking about them in more depth on my Patreon page. So if you want to dig a little bit deeper, um, uh, go on over and join me there at patreon.com slash the word witch tarot, um, where again, you can also download those um, uh, zines and workbooks. Um, and lastly, today, I want to talk a little bit about the fool. So we're going to be looking at uh, the numbers uh, one through 10, or I guess really one through nine, um, since 10 is wrapped in with the ones. Um, and all of the major arcana cards, um, one through 21 can be reduced into a one digit number one through nine, but then there's the fool. <laughs> uh, the fool is zero. Um, it is, it stands outside of, of the rest of the major arcana in that way. And isn't it cool that there's a zero <laughs> in the major arcana, um, that's a little bit of algebra there. Uh, zero is not one of the natural numbers. Um, and and it, it represents it represents nothing, right? It represents nothing, but also it represents everything um, when we're talking about it in tarot terms. It is um, the infinite loop. It is the cosmic egg. Um, it is um, the the Ouroboros, the snake eating its tail, it's the cycle. It's all of this contained in um, one sort of pure essence of unformed but absolute potential. Um, so the Fool is a very, very special card. Um, it kind of exists um, like outside, but also above and also at the end and at the beginning of the major arcana, um, and also all the way through it. Um, the fool, that zero can exist anywhere. We can add zero to any number and still have the same number. And so in a way, that energy of the fool, which is all about that potential, and it's also about the leap, right? It's about the leap of trust, the leap of faith, that we have to engage in in order to get anything done in our lives, right? Um, that that leap is necessary between each and every one of, of the major arcana cards. And it's kind of embedded in all of the minor arcana cards. It's a, a, a constant, um, a constant existence that sort of underlies everything else that we're doing. Um, because the fool, I think of the fool as like the pure soul, the pure soul. Um, and that exists in all of us constantly. Um, no matter what point we're at in the cycle, we always have that, that pure soul within us somewhere. <laughs> um, and uh, I will say that um, the fool can be assigned a number. Um, as uh, that that fits it into one of the number groups in the major arcana. Um, and I will talk about that a little bit later as well. But to start with, um, I think the fool is a wonderful place to begin this journey. It's where we begin all of our journeys. Um, and it's our constant traveler along with us. <laughs> we are the fool. We are that fool with that, you know, uh, knapsack or I don't know what it's called, the hobo bag on a stick over our shoulders. Um, 
you know, traipsing along with our little dog companion about to fall off a cliff constantly. <laughs> and how exciting is that? <laughs> um, but the message of the fool when it shows up, um, I think is, is always that we're supported. Um, we are supported to take that leap and uh, see what happens. Uh, that's the only way we get anywhere, guys. Um, otherwise, we stay stagnant and scared. Um, so we're definitely, uh, leaping into the full here, or I am <laughs> at least. Um, and, uh, thanks for joining along on this journey with me. Um, I, uh, don't think that there's actually much time to do Claire's live journal corner <laughs> because, uh, damn, I am long winded, aren't I? Um, Double air sign. Hello. <laughs> so um, I will, though, end the podcast today um, with a poem. So I um, visited home, uh, my home in Alabama last week, um, saw my parents. It was a um, beautiful trip um, in a lot of ways. And I had such a wonderful time with my parents. Um and it was also, you know, a, a sad trip and a hard trip as it is um, always when I go home too um, for particular reasons. Um, but I'm so thankful for the time that I had there with my folks and especially because, um, you know, my mom and I managed, uh, we found this really beautiful connection. Um we were sitting around uh, the fire pit the first night and she was um, talking about uh, this YouTube video she had wa watched about angels. We were talking about belief. Um, I've been talking with a lot of people about belief. I mean, obviously, I'm very interested in that. That's what this podcast is about. And the fact that this podcast is existing is only spurring more of those questions um, and sparking more of those conversations in, in my life. And um, so my mom was talking about angels and believing in angels. And I realized that the way that she was talking about angels is the way that I think about my guides, um, the way I think about the universe, um, the way I think about whatever divine presence that there is, um, that exists here on this earth and, and in all of us, um, that spirit, that source. And I just had this, you know, like, I guess cerebrally, I've, I've thought for a long time that, you know, all of, all of our different beliefs are, are for the most part, just different, different avenues towards getting to the same thing or towards understanding the same thing. But then I was listening, sitting there listening to my mom talking and I realized like, holy shit, like we're speaking the same language. We're speaking the same language. We're just using different words for certain things. You know, she may say angels. I may say guides. Um, she may say prayer. And I, well, I might also say prayer now, but in, in a different way. Um, and then near the end of our trip, um, uh, we were in a bookstore um, and um, I came across a Mary Oliver collection that I, I don't have, uh, I didn't have yet. And 
it's very slim and travel sized. Um, and uh, so I picked it up. Um, my mom actually bought it for me. Thanks, mom. Um, my mom loves Mary Oliver. And I love Mary Oliver too. And the reason I got this particular collection is because I opened up the book and this is the first poem I opened to. And it just like, you know, it just, it just, it just floored me um, coming off of that conversation that I'd had with my mom about angels. Um, so I want to read you this Mary Oliver poem. It's called The World I Live In. I have refused to live locked in the orderly house of reasons and proofs. The world I live in and believe in is wider than that. And anyway, what's wrong with maybe? You wouldn't believe what once or twice I have seen. I'll just tell you this. Only if there are angels in your head will you ever possibly see one and um yeah that's all for this third episode of the word witch podcast um tune in in two weeks for my interview with harvey james of harvey james tarot um and don't forget about uh the transgender day of remembrance on november 20th all right Till next time, stay magical. Bye. We're running in circles, but we live within lines. We put ourselves in boxes when the air is just fine. We're digging down to the earth to find the sky. We're always asking when, but never why. You've been listening to The Word Witch. Our theme music is Counting Rice by Bitches in the Beehive. Their album Itty Bitty Spaces is out now. The Word Witch is written, produced, and recorded by me, Claire Burgess. Our logo is designed by me, too. Editing and tech support come from Danu Vino. You can follow The Word Witch on Instagram at the.word.witch. You can book tarot readings, find out about upcoming classes, and join our newsletter at thewordwitchtarot.com. If you'd like to support this podcast, join my Patreon at patreon.com slash thewordwitchtarot. For as little as $1, you'll receive collective tarot readings, tarot and astro content, downloads of my zines, and podcast outtakes and extras. Plus, you'll help make this podcast possible and help support a working witch. If you have a question for The Word Witch, email us at thewordwitchpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Till next time, stay magical. Trying to shoot the moon. Using everything we've got.